Welcome to the Eastside Church Podcast. Today we'll be listening to a message from Pastor Brandon Sharp. You guys ready for the word? I have much on my heart, so we are going to dive in. You guys can turn over to Ezra. In good fashion, that's not where we're going to be today. I think someone said, where is it? It's after 2 Chronicles. Turn over to Ezra 3. We are going to be in Zechariah. Ezra 3. Someone says, where's that one? (laughs) Almost at the end of your Old Testament, right? So we're going to be in Ezra. We're going to be in Zechariah. And we're going to be in Haggai. So let me answer the third. Where is that? Or Haggai. Um, It's just before Zechariah. So you guys take some time getting there, and I'll catch up with you. Before we get started, um, I just want to recognize Anna Strelowski. And I know she's serving our kids over there, but if you guys didn't put it all together, she carried the last several weeks um, of service, led us beautifully in baptism, led us beautifully in baby dedications, and then preached an incredible Mother's Day message that was very encouraging and very challenging. So, Anna, in your absence in this building, in your presence in the other, we love you, we honor you. I'm grateful for our next-gen pastor, and she's an amazing one to connect with. So, if you're looking for a place to serve, we'd be happy to direct you her way into our kids' ministry. A little bit about what we're going to talk about today. Um, We're going to talk about one of your favorite scriptures, and that is in Zechariah, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. So you guys know me. If I ask you what's around that, some of you will know. Some of you will be clueless. And there is a lot around it. And so I want to talk to to some of those things, and I really turn your listening, turn your listening up this morning, because I think the Lord really has some prophetic things uh, to say to us in this word um, as he was speaking in in worship. I think it's timely for where we are right now. So to kind of frame this a little bit for us, when the Lord says, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord, he's speaking to something very particularly and to a very particular person. That word is to Zerubbabel, who was the civic leader, the the governor in in Jerusalem and in Judah at that time, and he was speaking it in regards to the building of the temple. So those, the rebuilding of the temple, rather. So those two things are very, very important that we understand those. The Lord is not just putting a general statement out there, although I think that statement is generally true. Would you agree? Okay, good. So what we have going on is the people of God had been taken captive because of their disobedience in around 597 BC. And so they were taken captive, particularly from the land of Judah and into the land of Babylon. And there was some who wouldn't go and it wasn't good for those. We read that in Jeremiah, but there were some chosen chosen ones, some leaders, some that Nebuchadnezzar saw choice value in. So he didn't take everybody, but he took a large portion of the people and deported them to Babylon for roughly 70 years. 
okay? This is where we see like the book of Daniel and some of those testimonies unfolding. So in 538 BC, just have to do some math there. We'll, we'll get close, right? In 538 BC, you had the Persians and King Cyrus overtook the Babylonians and King Nebuchadnezzar. The reason I'm taking the time to show you the history is because it's important to understand what the Lord says in Zechariah 4. You guys with me? So when Cyrus, King Cyrus, takes over, he has a different outlook on the people of God, and he actually blesses them, and God stirs his heart, and the people of God find favor with King Cyrus, and he says, hey, we're going to send you back to your homeland, and not only that, God stirred my heart for you to rebuild his temple, because the first temple was torn down in that captivity, Okay, you guys with me? It was built about 1,000 B.C. by Solomon. Stands for close to 500 years, 400 years, and then it's torn down in the Babylonian captivity. And Cyrus says, God stirred my heart. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful scripture. I want to read it to you in the beginning of Exodus here. <clears throat> in Ezra, in Ezra rather, in Ezra chapter one, listen to this. In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all the kingdom and also put it in writing, saying, don't you guys love that God's stirring the heart of probably an unbeliever? You know that's how we all got saved, right? So, so God's stirring. He holds the heart of the king in his hand, and he's stirring the heart of Cyrus to rebuild the temple. In two, it says, Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, all the kingdom of the earth, the Lord our God has given me, and he has commanded me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. You can read some more later on, but basically he says, I'll give you everything you need. Put it, put it on my account. Charge it to the king's treasury. Pretty amazing, yes? This is our God. This is a part of Jireh. And what we just, what we just sang, it is absolutely miraculous right? And that's easy to see in the start. And so they come together. Ezra kind of captures what's going on. And in Ezra 3, I want you to see something beautiful. Worship resumed. So there was about 42,000 and change of those who came back from the captivity and settled in Judah. And they resumed worship before there was a temple. You guys see that? right? Before there was a temple, they built an altar and they worshiped God and they started to bring burnt offerings and sacrifices and they started observing the feast. I love that, y'all. They're just out there, Bula. All they have is an altar, kind of like Abraham, you know, and these guys. That's where they started. Worship preceded the building of the temple. Something else I love in this story is that the building of the temple Proceed of the building of the walls. You guys look like that one caught you, caught you off guard. So they started the rebuilding of this temple in about 536, 535. Nehemiah and the rebuilding of the wall, 444. So let's do that math. More than 80 years later, <clears throat> I'm taking time here because I think this, this shouts of the heart that God is looking for especially in a time where because some things have been challenged, even health has been challenged, there's been a lot of risk in our season, we have become so defense-oriented, right? That if it were me, 
I might have built those walls first. And then the temple. And then finally gotten back to worship. And they did it exactly the opposite. Worship. Temple. Walls. 80 years later. You want to know why? Because God said, I'll be a wall of fire around you. Right? And so we can see all of that in this story. And they laid the foundation of the temple and call it 536. You guys can correct me if you need to, but I'm not more than a year or two off there. In about 536, they lay the foundation of the temple. And, and that is an incredible event because you see, you see some guys, when they get that laid, you see them shouting and singing and praising God and blessing God. And others, particularly those that had seen the glory of the former temple, guess what they're doing? Somebody. Thank you, Liz Barefoot. I love your love for the word, Liz. They're crying. They're weeping. They're lamenting because in their minds, it doesn't compare. And we'll read more about that as we go. And so you have this mix that says there was a shout and you, and you couldn't discern who was, who was shouting and who was celebrating and who was weeping. It was just this noise as they, as they laid the foundation of the temple. Now what happened, and I'm not gonna go into it for time's sake, we gotta get over to Zechariah here shortly. This is all me setting it up. What happened is you had enemies of Judah and when the, when the temple rebuilding started, at Cyrus' direction, they said, hey, we're with you. We worship your God too. Let us help you build. Always happens, doesn't it? And, and the people of God, Zerubbabel and Joshua, the high priest, said, no, we'll build alone at Cyrus' direction. And they, they rejected those enemies who were trying to play a card and get in there to manipulate and do different things. And so when that happened, then those who were your friends become your enemies. And they wrote a letter <coughs> to the king at that time. There's one guy, I don't know how to say his name, and then Artax Artaxerxes after that, after Cyrus, they write a letter and say, hey, these guys here in Jerusalem, they're rebuilding the temple. They're rebuilding the city. And they're evil people. They're rebellious people. They won't pay taxes. They won't pay, pay tribute. And basically, there'll be a pain in your side. We wanted to write so you could, you could send a search. And so in Ezra 3 through 6, all this is going on. And so they send that letter. The king does inquiry, and he says, stop it all. So they got the temple laid, the foundation laid, y'all. And then the work halted, stopped by the king. How frustrating. How deflating. How discouraging. Where are you, God? Thought you were with us. Thought you had put this in the heart of the king. There's provision everywhere to do this. You're telling me one guy is gonna say stop and everything stops and it does. Guess how long? 15, 16 years. How long have we been dealing with COVID? Come on, y'all. We need some strength. We need some perseverance. We need some backbone. We need some perspective, right? The people of God need to get tougher. 
listen, you know I love you. I love you. But sometimes all we have in this country can make us, it can weaken us, right? And we can have a very, compared to the, the biblical expectation, we can have very unrealistic expectations. We're talking, what you'll find when we get into Zechariah and, and Haggai is it's very encouraging. And the reason it's very encouraging and they needed it is because they're coming out of 70 years of captivity. And then God calls them to build them a house and all they get through is the foundation. And then because of slander and a false report, everything stops for 15, 16 years. And that is where we pick up in Zechariah. Now, it's important, let me kind of finish the story and setting that up there, right? It's important because <clears throat> Artaxerxes reigned and then Darius or Darius, some people say it, he started to reign. Now, in between that time is when the prophet Haggai, and that's how I'm gonna say it, so I don't go back and forth. Haggai, you guys good with that? Haggai and Zechariah start prophesying and saying, it's time to build. You wanna boil the word down that's in my heart, church, it's this, it is time to build. That was the word for them, and I think that's the word for us. I believe that's the word for us, right? It's time to shift our focus to building the temple, to building God's church, building God's people, to include you, to include your family, to include this body, okay? Certainly to include our sanctuary, right? And so give like you've never given before. Like, let's embrace liberality. Let's embrace generosity. Look back at those commitments that God led us to make in the first place and be true to them. Let's finish that strong, right? But that is for people. It's a place to worship God, but it's a place for his temples to be built up, which what does 1 Peter say? Every one of you is a living stone being fitted together for a spiritual house of worship to offer sacrifices to the living God. It is people. That is what God's building. That is what God hasn't stopped building. And so when Haggai and Zechariah start prophesying and saying, it's time to build, guess what? There's no word from the king. That stop is still in place. Yeah, context helps, right? But they believe God, even though it may cost them their lives, and they start building again. 15, 16 years later, and this is what they say. We won't stop unless the king tells us to stop. And so those from the other side of the river, they write another letter to Darius this time and say, hey, this is going on. Make inquiry. They're saying that Cyrus was the one that ordained this. Go back and check the records. You know what Darius does? Come on, talk to me. Checks the records. What does he find? Proved it. Proved it. <clears throat> and so what you have there in about the fifth chapter of Ezra is you have Darius, King Darius, echoing the words of Cyrus. This is God. Don't touch these people. We're gonna see this through to the very end. You have everything you need and anyone that comes against this work, let him be impaled, sorry kiddos, or hung on a piece of timber from his own home. 
That's the, that's the declaration. That's the decree from Darius. But what's so important in the beginnings of Zechariah and in the beginnings of Haggai, that declaration from the king, it hasn't, it hasn't come yet, right? This is when the words come to first start rebuilding. The declaration, the king's backing, comes later. And so what you have is you have a remnant of people that are incredibly discouraged. You have a high priest that's discouraged, and you have a civic leader that's discouraged. And so the Lord lays on the encouragement thick, but let me, <clears throat> let me speak just a little bit to where these different people are, particularly the remnant of people. Go to Haggai, first chapter, and listen to this. In the second year of King Darius, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet to Zerubbabel, the son of Shiltiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, saying, This people says, The time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. You guys hear it? Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet saying, it is time for you, is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses and this temple to lie in ruins? See, the foundation's been laid 15, 16 years ago. And then the work stopped. And the people, and even the people of God, had settled into a mindset that says, I'll just focus on my own. And what the Lord, the host of heaven's armies, had to say to that is consider your ways. Consider your ways. Right? Should you dwell in your paneled homes and this house lie in ruins? Consider your ways. And so Haggai goes on and he's talking and he's saying, <clears throat> you're sowing and you're not reaping and you're doing all the right things and you have little because I've shut up heaven. Very Malachi 3-ish uh, talking there. And then, and then let's read 12, 112 in Haggai real quick. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shiltiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet. As the Lord their God had sent him and the people feared the presence of the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, spoke the Lord's message to the people, saying, I am with you, says the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. There's always a remnant. Isn't there? And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month in the second year of King Darius. We'll come back to Haggai here in just a moment. Why do they need encouragement, right? We'll see it in Zechariah 3. The Lord's really gonna encourage the high priest. In Zechariah 4, he's really gonna encourage Zerubbabel. But they need it because of the captivity, 70 years. They need it because nothing's happened on this project in 15, 16 years. 
They need it because the people around them, as is the case still today, you guys been watching the headlines, are hostile towards Jerusalem, toward them. They're trying to shut down the work, right? They're struggling as leaders. Come on, y'all. You start a project and nothing happens with it 15, 16 years. They're struggling as leaders. And then you have the people, the remnant, the ones that they're looking toward to really rally behind the voice of the prophet. And the people are saying, it's not time to build. It's not time to build, not yet. Right? And then, and then you have, then you have this, this group of people that they've been, they've been around the whole time, right? They've seen the whole scope of the project. They've seen the first temple. And not only can they not get excited about the second, they're grieved. They're weeping over the second. I know that's pretty real for a Sunday morning. But man, wouldn't you be discouraged? Right? And so the Lord shows up through his prophets like he always does, and he's speaking encouragement to these people, speaking encouragement to these leaders. Now, let me not misrepresent the scripture. He's also doing some rebuking as well. In one and two, in Zechariah, in one and two, he's rebuking the people. He's telling them to repent. You know, he's letting them know it was disobedience that got you in captivity in the first place. Repent, the Lord's angry with your fathers, repent. But then he's also speaking to this, this consolation, this redemption, this restoration of Israel and this rebuilding of the temple. He's speaking to all those things. Now, Zechariah does it in eight different visions over the first six chapters, okay? And then he has four messages in the next two chapters. And then nine through 14 are oracles, about the current restoration and also the millennial reign of Christ. And so what we see going through Zechariah is all of those themes that God's moving, it's time to build, it's time to restore, God's on the move, and oh, by the way, you're a part of something much, 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 much bigger than yourself. Okay, you guys with me? All right, good, let's go to Zechariah 4. How was that for an intro? So in Zechariah 4, context is important, gang. How differently do you see it right now than you saw it 15 minutes ago? Context is important. So in, in Zechariah 4, he encourages, he encourages Joshua, the high priest, in 3. And he's saying, if you'll obey me, I'll give you place to speak among these people. And then he talks about the branch that he's going to send. That branch, it's in all caps. Who's that talking about? Jesus, right? So all these things are going on. He's encouraging. Now in four, he's going to encourage Zerubbabel. And he says, now the angel who talked with me came back and wakened me as a man who is wakened out of his sleep. And he said to me, what do you see? So I said, I'm looking and there's a lampstand of solid gold with a bowl on top of it. And on the stand, seven lamps with seven pipes to the seven lamps. Confused already? Yeah, me too. Two olive trees are by it, one at the right of the bowl and the other at its left. So I answered and spoke to the angel who talked with me, saying, What are these, my Lord? Then the angel who talked with me answered and said to me, Do you not know what these are? I love that. And I said, No, my Lord. As if, if I did know, why would I need to ask, right? So listen, if you get confused by Scripture and the things the Lord shows you, you're in good company. 
so, so was Zerubbabel. In fact, when he gets later talking about the olive branches, they go through the same thing. What are these, my Lord? You don't know what these are? No, my Lord, right? So be encouraged there. But that's the vision. We have these olive trees. Oil is flowing from these olive trees and these branches to these pipes into this bowl down into these pipes that go into seven lamps. Good? Should have had a picture for you guys, but everyone you look at is different, right? So <clears throat> he, said, he said, no, my Lord. And so in six, he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts, the God of angel armies. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain, and he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple and his hands shall also finish it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. We'll finish the rest in, in just a moment. Now, what we need to realize is the Lord shows Zerubbabel this, this, this vision, shows Zechariah this vision. And when Zechariah says, what is it? What does it mean? The response of the angel is, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Right? I don't think it a stretch at all to say, this is how God is going to build his temple, rebuild his temple through Zerubbabel. That's what you saw in the vision. I also don't think it a stretch at all to say, this is how God builds his church. You guys agree with me? I don't want to stretch. I don't want to reach, right? I love scripture too much to pull it out of context. But if we now are this spiritual temple being built up as living stones, and we know that the New Testament says your body is the temple, you're the temple. Don't you know you're the temple of the Holy Spirit? The Spirit of God lives in you if you belong to Christ? Then, then this vision, this flow of oil is God's plan A, and he has no plan B to build his temple, to build the church. You guys with me? All right, I'm looking at you. I don't want to lose you. How does God build? He builds with the anointing. He builds with the anointing. That's what, as much debate as there is about what parts of this vision represent what and who and all these things, and every commentary you read is different, where we can put our foot down, where we can find firm footing is this is how God builds. He builds with his anointing. He builds with the flow of his Holy Spirit. He builds by us moving with heaven. It's one of the things I love about this church. I love about this leadership, right? We will not get weak in that place of, what are you doing, Lord? What are you doing? Where are you moving? What are you saying right now? Like, what's the prophetic move? Why? Oil. Oil. Flowing. This is what produces. This is what will be standing a decade from now. Right? These are the seeds that go into the ground that actually reap a harvest. Why, Brock? Where are you? Way back there in the back. Why? Because this is the only thing that's real faith is the thing that God initiates, the thing that God starts, the thing that's heaven breathe, spirit breathe, right? And so this conversation gets real, real for me when we go, okay, Lord, obviously, I mean, we're kind of 
building a, 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 physical, a physical temple. Yes, I get that. But even more so, what are our temples? Right? What are, what, what are our temples that, that in some states of life are, are grand in glory and other states, they look like a pile of rubble and they're torn down? That's me. That's you, Rachel. That's you, Bob. Right? That's our marriages. We are the temples. Our marriages are a little bit more of a collective temple. Our families, a little bit more of a collective temple. And our church, the body of Christ. <sighs> Again, honest for a Sunday morning, I know. Whose temple needs repair? Come on, y'all. Right? Whose temple needs some shoring up? Whose temple needs some rebuilding? And, and what I see in this vision, right, we'll point to a couple of pieces of what the Lord says, this represents this. But what I started to do was try to figure everything out. And the Lord let me go down that road for just a little bit. And then I got wise and said, why don't I focus on the things that God actually feels are important enough to speak to and not try to fill in all the gaps of the things that he doesn't? Right? So the first is, know what your temples are. Know what my temples are. And the second is to know, first and foremost, the anointing of God is the answer. Got quiet in here, Jim Marshall. The anointing of God is the answer. The anointing of God teaches us. The anointing of God breaks the yoke. Jesus in Luke 4 said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me and he's anointed me. Open blind eyes, open prison doors, set the captives free. There is a move, I can feel it in the air, gang. There is a move that when we, when we encounter those struggles, JP, and those walls, we look to ourselves first. We look to man first. We look to government first. And the Lord's saying, not by might, not by power, by my spirit. Lord, what are you saying? What are you saying? And I'm on my knees, and I'm on my face, and I'm in prayer. And we're looking for wisdom from heaven. You know, and I know, if we really buy into, by my spirit, saith the Lord, all you have to do is look at your pursuit. All you have to do is look at your pursuit. Look at your time with the Lord. Look at your prayer life. Look at your time in the word. And you know how much you believe, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. And, and it's all that I need to look at, right? So the first encouragement is here. Press in in your, in your devotional life. Press in in your prayer life. Press in, in, in into the word, right? Don't, don't let the deconstruction conversation make your spiritual pursuit weak because God is building his church, right? And it starts first and foremost with you building you and me building me. Otherwise, and I know this seems like a lame illustration, but it's so true. We don't see, we don't see sick doctors 
providing care. Did you guys follow that? The doctor's gotta be well before he takes care of someone else, right? And we have to be full. Here's my questions for you, for me. Are we full? Are you full? And this has nothing to do with circumstances. Nothing to do with COVID. Nothing to do with finances. Nothing to do with the difficulty that is life. This has to do with sons and daughters getting before a holy God enough to be filled with the anointing of God, right? And so to look at that and say, am I filled? But then also to look at it and say this, you know what's happening to that, that oil in those lamps? What's happening? Talk to me, church. This is not a deep question. You're overcomplicating it. It is filling the bowl, then it's going into the pipes, then it's going into the candlesticks, then it's being burned. It's being consumed. This is a consumable in the vision, right? Why does God pour his anointing into you and me? Come on. For consumption. Finally, we can get behind being a consumer church, right? <laughs> Listen, it's, it's not without purpose. It's not without vision. God doesn't pour it in so you can feel better and I can feel better. We can get goosebumps and we can talk about that time in his presence for weeks and weeks and weeks. All those things are great. That oil is to be consumed. It's to be poured out. into. It's so others can come to you and say, I need you. I need this. I need you, Leslie. I need the Lord. My marriage is a mess. I need wisdom. I need strength. I need prayer. I need a friend. I need, I need, I need, I need. And we think all those things are broken. That's not broken. That's family. That's family. It's just a matter of, do you have oil? It's not by might. It's not by power. It's by my spirit. We need oil. Get, get our eyes off of all the distractions and get us focused on oil being poured in and oil being burned up in our lives. That's why Jesus calls us the light of the world, right? That's, this is why the Spirit of God is alive on the inside of us. So the first is not by might, not by power, by my spirit, is it's all about the oil. It's all about the flow of oil, right? Ryan, in your marriage, in my marriage, it's all about the flow of oil. In our own lives, right, in your business, Alex, it's all about the flow of oil. In this church, it's all about the flow of oil, Right? You don't like that. You're going to have to find somewhere else to go, gang. We're not flexing there. Right? We have nothing else, John, than the Spirit of God moving in our midst. It's all we have. But that's, that's not it because it's easy to sit back and kind of say, yeah, we'll just let the Lord, right? There's, there's more to it. What does, he, what does he speak to, right? The vision says this is how God is going to build the temple. This is how God builds his church. First thing, it's all about the oil flowing. Don't cut off the flow of oil. Second thing, verse 10, for those who despise the day of small things. Don't be that guy. Don't be that girl. When it's tough, y'all, when you're year 15, and the project of God hasn't moved a bit. Don't despise that day, right? Anna told us last week, 
Stop calling the thing cursed when God's working under the ground. It's okay if it's a small beginning. It's okay if it's a small day. It's okay if it's a rebuild. Lord, you've given us all these examples to look back at and find courage and find strength to steady ourselves, right? Don't, I want to encourage you this morning, church. Don't be that person that says, I'll wait and see if this thing's really gonna be successful and I'll jump in then. The Lord's not pleased. <laughs> jump in now. Today's a great day. Jump in when it seems vulnerable, right? Jump in when it seems you're not sure which way it's gonna go. That's the day of small beginnings, right? That's the day God calls us to step, not when everything looks certain. So that's that. It's enough there. For, for these seven rejoice to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. They are the eyes of the Lord which scan to and fro throughout the whole earth. First thing, it's all about the oil. Second thing, engage in the work. I know this doesn't sound very spiritual, y'all, but you know what? It is. It is. What does by my spirit look like? Engage in the work. Join the lifting. Take responsibility. Take ownership. And so many of us do. Oh my goodness. I am, I love our church. I think our church represents the Lord pretty well here. But some of us, we're just watching. We're just letting others do it. I want to encourage you. I don't want to condemn you. I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you. These seven, talking about the candlesticks, are the eyes of the Lord. Are they also the believer in the church and the light of the world? Yeah, right? Multiple meanings, but they're the eyes of the Lord and they're, and they're scanning the whole earth looking for what? Come on, y'all focus. People walking is not more exciting than what I'm saying. They're scanning the whole earth looking for what? Looking for someone with a plumb line in their hand. These seven rejoiced to see Zerubbabel with the plumb line in his hand, right? Brock's gonna have to explain further what a plumb line is to you, but what I can tell you is it's a measuring device in construction that only someone engaged in the work would be holding. God, we need oil. God, we need laborers. Your harvest it's, it's, it's white, it's ready. The issue is not the harvest. Pray the Lord of the harvest for laborers, right? I just want you to ask this very simple question of yourself. When God looks at me, does he see a plumb line in my hand? What are you doing? Yes, in your own life, yes, in your marriage, Yes, in your family. Yes, in the church. What are you doing? Not what do you want to do. What's in your heart to do, right? What you wish you would have done. What you hope you will do. What are you doing? 
to build the church. To build the body of Christ. To build his temples. It's a great question. Right? If we're not doing anything, we don't like it, but God loves us in that place. He'll just challenge us in that place, right? He'll bring it in. He'll invite us into more. Give me five minutes. I'll be done. You guys just hang tight. 11, then I answered and said to him, what are these two olive trees at the right of the lampstand and at its left? And I further answered. Yeah, it gets kind of confusing, y'all, because he says, I further answered. You know what he really did? He asked another question. Why? The angel didn't answer. Right? If you're looking for a reason to ignore your kids, there it is in Scripture. <laughs> he asked a question, and the angel just said nothing. So, being persistent, he asked again. In a little different way, listen to it, don't miss it, pay attention to the detail. And I further answered and said to him, what are these two olive branches that drip into the receptacles of the two gold pipes from which the oil drains, the golden oil drains? Then he answered and said, do you not know what these are? <laughs> and I said, no, my Lord. So he said, these are the two anointed ones who stand beside the Lord of the whole earth. Listen, we could get lost here for days, right? Probably contextually in the culture. This is talking about Zerubbabel as the Lord's civic leader and is talking about Joshua as his high priest. If you go over to Revelation 11 and read verses three and four, that's a clear reference to this. It's probably talking about God's two witnesses, Moses and Elijah, during the tribulation, prophesying for three and a half years, being killed and laying dead in the street for three days and then being raised back up. One can shut up heaven, one can turn water to blood. Here's the point. These olive branches are leadership. They're leadership. They're chosen by God to be a strength to the people, to be a help to the people, to lead the people, to shepherd the people, to prophesy to the people, to correct the people. And we have it all the way through the Old Testament, and we have it all the way through the New Testament with prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, right? Apostles, all the way through to the very end. There's something else that's very predominant in our culture right now, and I want you to be careful. You should be careful. There's no place for authority. There's no place for leadership. Guard your heart in that place. And a beautiful illustration of this is in this vision right here. You have the trees, and he says, what are the trees? And he's ignored. But then you have these two branches that are hanging off the trees, draining into these pipes, into this bowl, into these pipes, into this lamp. What are the branches? Those are God's anointed ones who stand beside the Lord, the whole earth. Remove those branches What happens? 
talk to him in church. The oil spills on the ground. Protect your leaders. Protect your heart toward leadership. Right? They're there for your good. grace, the call that God has on them. Without them, no oil. No oil. Okay? You guys receive that? The oil flows. Engage in the work. Protect your leadership. You guys can stand. And let's be a house of miracles. Right? Let's be a house of miracles. Listen, this is a couple of verses out of Haggai 2. Why? Why? Because God is moving us towards something we haven't imagined. Pastor Alex and I were talking about this the other day. It's just beyond us, y'all. It's just way bigger. Like he's talking to them about a physical temple and he's going right into a millennial reign that sets up the rule and reign of Jesus in the universe. That's where he's going in this book. And that's where he's going with us because we're a part of that same story. So let's do all these things with incredible expectation in our heart. Listen, and then I'm gonna pray. Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Zehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people, saying, Who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? And how do you see it now in comparison with it? Is this in your eyes as nothing? Yet now be strong, Zerubbabel, says the Lord, and be strong, Joshua, says the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and be strong, all you people of the land, says the Lord, and work, be strong and work, be strong and work, be strong and work, for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts, according to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains among you. Do not fear, for thus says the Lord of hosts, once more, it is a little while, and I will shake heaven and earth and sea and dry land. What's been happening, church? Come on. We've all said it. We've said it for months. There's a shaking. God's shaking. Once more, I'll shake heaven and earth and sea and dry land, and I will shake all the nations, and they shall come to the desire of all nations. And they, what happens after the shaking? And they shall come to the desire of all nations. And I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine. The gold is mine, says the Lord. The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. 
and in this place, I will give you peace, says the Lord of hosts. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for your words. God, your words are life. Give us strength, Father. Give us the ability to endure, Father. May we stand strong, confidently, not shrinking back when so many are doing that, but moving forward in the building of your church, God, in the building of the temples that we are, in the building of our homes and our families, and in the building of this body of believers that you've called so uniquely, God, when so many others are shutting their doors, you've called us to build and expand and move into something. God, we believe you in that place. We give you glory in that place. Steady us in your oil flowing here, Father. God, steady us in the work. I pray that this leadership team would be overwhelmed with people saying, how can I get involved, Brandon? How can I put my hands to the plow, Brandon? Where can I plug in? Where can I serve? I want God to see me working. May we honor our leadership, pray for them, protect them. Know that they're chosen by you, God. And may we always be looking for your glory in every aspect of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today for our podcast. Eastside Church exists to help people encounter Jesus, be equipped to grow and engage their community. For more information, please go to our website at eastsidechurch.co. 